Ahoy, and welcome in to another exciting episode of Not Allowed to Die, your podcast about mental health, where I, Dan Makler, social worker and life enthusiast, answer your questions about mental health. And alongside me, as always, is Mariska, the three-toothed Patterdale Terrier, and she is licking her paws in the background right now. Again, it's 2023, and we all know the drill. We have to rate and review and give us those five stars, which really helps Mariska's paws to feel better. Fortunately, it's been a little bit warmer, and that's also good for Mariska's paws. She does not like the ice and snow. So if you have a question about paw maintenance or about mental health, remember to email Mariska and I at daniel.makler at live.com. Today, I'm a little trepidation about recording because I'm not proud of myself. We're going to talk a little bit about when your own emotions as a therapist cloud your ability to be just totally neutral. So I'm going to tell a story about a client. She's allowed me to talk about this story before, and she'll she's a listener, so she'll feel maybe a little bit called out, but that's okay because uh, we're going to process through it. <laughs> um, so I've told a little bit of this story before. The client went to a nightclub to hear a DJ, and she got pretty drunk, and she hadn't charged her phone, and she got separated from her friends. So she asked this guy, hey, do you have a phone charger? Do you have whatever else? And he's like, yeah, just come with me, come with me. And she's like, you know, I don't, I'm not looking for anything. I just want to charge my phone. And he's like, yeah. And so he got her to go back to his hotel. And she kept saying, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't want to mess around. I don't want to do anything. She just wanted to charge her phone. Uh, she woke up the next morning and her underwear was gone. And she didn't remember anything that happened. She didn't know if someone had slipped something in her drink or she just drank too much. But after talking to some friends, she went to the hospital and she did a rape kit and whatnot. And uh, she did get, uh, the guy gave her chlamydia and that sucked. And we've been working through a lot of those thoughts and feelings. One of her friends who was really there for her at first uh, is this guy who she had, she had dated in the past. They've been friends and they dated, then they were friends again. And they've been having kind of um, an on and off hooking up thing that sometimes friends do. And there have been talk about, do we want to have a relationship and whatnot? The two of them, not that long after uh, the sexual assault, before she knew she had chlamydia, uh, they were intimate and she passed on the chlamydia to him. And, you know, they both got treatment and theoretically went on with life and you know, weeks and over a month and whatever had gone by. And so she was dealing with life and all of a sudden some chlamydia symptoms had come back again. And she had gone, not only had she done the treatment, but she had gone back and gotten tested again and she knew she did not have it anymore. So she reached out to this guy, this friend, and she said, hey, have you been with anybody else? Because, you know, like I, I know I was clinging and I was set. And eventually he admitted that, yeah, he had been with somebody else and he probably, you know, he thought he was clean. He had taken some medication, but he had never gotten retested. And maybe he gave it to this other girl and maybe she gave it back to him. And maybe now he gave it back to my client. She was pissed. She was like, you didn't even get tested again to make sure that you were, you know, not going to pass this on. And this discussion... Instead of him saying, you know what, I'm sorry. 
I, I should have, and that was messed up on me. He kind of just threw it all back on her. And then he did the thing that, you know, again, took me out of my professionalism as a therapist. And he blamed her for the whole thing happening to begin with. He's like, this never would have happened. None of this ever would have occurred if you were just responsible for yourself. That you went to that guy's hotel room. You caused this situation. You act like people should feel sorry for you, that you're a victim. But really, you need to own it, an adult, and you are responsible for your sexual assault. And as a woman, you can't just go out to clubs by yourself and get drunk and have these things happen. Um, You, like, this is your fault. And you gave it to me, and that is all on you. And you kind of deserved what happened to you. I mean, he was pretty explicit in saying these things. We used to have a rule in my fraternity. It's Rule 29. Rule 29 said, and I'm, I'm breaking Rule 29 right now. Rule 29 said we're not supposed to talk about anything that happens in the fraternity and all of our secret lore and our traditions. And if anybody asks you, you know, anything about what's going on in the fraternity, you just say, because fuck you. <laughs> that's your that's your answer to everything. And so I wanted her to respond to him with Rule 29, just because fuck you. It's so damaging to anyone. And I know this guy. He's not an evil person. He is generally a good guy who's doing his best, and he's struggling with his own stuff. But there is no excuse to, there there could be an excuse to say, to maybe not take responsibility for, again, him blaming her for him getting chlamydia when he knowingly had said sex with multiple people without using a condom, and even after getting chlamydia. Now, again, we could question both of them. Like, if we've been passing these things back and forth, we should probably be using condoms. But I saw this, uh, or I don't know if it was a podcast or something I've viewed, but this woman saying, you know, she would use a condom every single time, except all the time she doesn't. You know, we, we all know that we should not eat too much fatty food. We should not, we should make good decisions all the time. And that's the exact same thing with my client getting sexually assaulted in the first place. Yes, she knows. She knows she would never separate from a friend at a club if she's been out drinking. Except that she did, and she didn't do it on purpose. She would never go out without her phone being fully charged. Except that she did, and she didn't do it on purpose. And once these things happen, as Mike Tyson famously said, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And then the plan falls apart, and where do we go from there? So the hypocrisy of this guy for not taking any responsibility for his own situation, and his own decisions, and then putting them on back onto my client. That frustrates me. And I think there are some things that we can say and do that are designed to be unforgivable. And I posited to her that there may have been a part of him that was pushing her away by trying to say the meanest, most unforgivable thing he could. Because I like to believe that this guy doesn't really believe that. That he doesn't really believe. And because those were not his sentiments and reactions in the over a month, you know, time period between when this assault occurred and recently. So I believe, or I want to believe, that he was saying these things because he wanted to hurt and wound and push her away because he felt guilty about the fact that he was sleeping with other people and messing around. And they were not in a relationship. 
So she's like, I don't have the right to be upset that he was sleeping with other people. And she's like, it hurts. And I feel like I was being petty and I was being mean and aggressive because I was just, I thought we were kind of doing a sort of exclusive thing. And I said, well, yes, logically, if you guys weren't in a set relationship and just because you weren't sleeping with anyone else, you understood that that's okay. But the point that he then was not being responsible and not using condoms and potentially spreading diseases, I think a person does have the right to be angry about that. And I, I want my clients to feel like we should sometimes be angry and we should sometimes hang on to resentment. Because if we don't, we allow ourselves to be victimized and we allow ourselves to be taken advantage of again and again. So after my client and I talked about all of this, one of her other friends is a friend of both of theirs. She has a lot of friends. They have a lot of friends in common. And her friend, you know, just naturally wants there to not be drama between these two friends of hers. And so was offering to kind of play peacemaker. And my client also had gotten antibiotics for herself to deal with chlamydia. And she was like, she'd gotten some extra. But when they, before, right when she was diagnosed, she figured she would get enough to share with him. But then when he responded in this way of blaming her for her sexual assault, she was kind of like, you know what? Screw you. And my suggestion to her was just maintain that attitude. Her friend was saying like, I might be able to broker a conversation between the two of you. And as a therapist, my appropriate role should have been to just say, how do you feel about that? What are the pros? What are the cons? But I didn't just do that. And we were texting back and forth and I was pleading with her, don't. Do not go into a situation on equal terms with someone who has done a really wrong thing to you. I'm not saying you shouldn't communicate with this person ever again. I'm saying you need to make, give it some time and give it some space. And if he's going to come to a connection with you, it's he better be the one coming on his knees and apologizing. Do not take him back into your world just because you don't want to have loneliness and because of the person who he has represented to you in the past. Because, again, if we have a puppy, and I say this all the time, and it's super cute and it poops on our bed and we give it a cookie because it's so cute and he just doesn't know any better and whatnot, what are we training that puppy to do? We're training it to keep crapping on your bed. And I am fearful that my client will train this guy, that she will end up saying, you know what, I said some things, you said some things. When the things that she said, if we review, were really appropriate <laughs> because she was angry because, I don't know, a person just gave her an STD who, and then blamed her for the entire situation and then took it up a notch. So it's kind of like when Trump said that there are, you know, there's good people and bad people on both sides after Charlottesville. <laughs> when someone's driving a, a, a racist rally and someone driving their car through a bunch of people, you know, like, no, there's not good people on both sides in this. And I'm not saying that this guy who she's friends with, her friend is not a good person a lot of the time, but her going off on him, her being angry with him is not equivalent. And sometimes there's this the false equivalency and this desire to just make it all be okay. And so, my pleading though with my client to not to hang on to that, to hang on to her resentment, and to not give this guy a chance. Again, after I communicated that, she kind of went dark and didn't respond to me. 
And that's what happens so frequently. When we're trying to help a person out who's in a toxic relationship, a toxic, in, whether it's toxic work, toxic friendship, toxic, an intimate partner violence relationship. These people tend to get isolated because they tell people that, hey, this is going on. And the advice that they get is, you just need to get cut that person out of your life. You need to avoid that person. You need to do whatever. Well, if they know, yeah, that's probably logically true, but I don't want to do that, then they may avoid the advice giver. They may avoid the person who encouraged them to make this change. And that's the last thing as a therapist that I want my clients to do, to feel like, so as a therapist, you're never supposed to pick a rooting interest. If I have a client who comes to me and says, I'm really thinking about, well, you might, some of you might remember the episode where we talked about prom, uh, cocaine for prom. And they're really thinking about doing cocaine. It's not for me to say, please don't do the cocaine. That's not the appropriate response for me. The appropriate response is, hey, let's talk about the pros and cons of cocaine and allow my client to come to the own, their own conclusion. But also, beyond being just a therapist, I really care about my clients and I care about this person and I want to make sure I'm helping her to build. And that's say again, she can't have a relationship or a friendship with this person, but she has to build it on terms that are reciprocal, appropriate, and sustainable. And I, I am concerned that she has this pattern of giving more than she's getting from a lot of her friendships and a lot of her romantic connections and whatnot. And until she starts expecting more and demanding more, this pattern will continue. That being said, as a therapist, it's my job to communicate that in a way that doesn't imply judgment, that doesn't say, you know, and my own feelings, my own frustration. And again, what feelings of frustration was I bringing? Well, again, I've had too many clients who felt blamed for their own sexual assaults. And when this friend of hers, this really cherished person, person in her life, said those things and straight up blamed her and said, you are responsible for your own sexual assault, that triggered a reaction in me. And that's not fair to my client. I remember talking to a client once and uh, she was talking about the first time she was sexually assaulted. She was 13 years old. And uh, this, I think her older sister's fr friend, might've been her older sister's boyfriend, I think, um, took her down to a beach and sexually assaulted her. And, um, you know, he was like 20, she's 13. And when she told her, she told me the story of how when she told her first therapist about it, he got so angry that she ended up having to consult her therapist. And while she's telling me all about the different sexual assaults she's experienced, I am just trying to sit there being totally dispassionate, totally flat. And I'm eating an apple and I just keep eating, I'm like, I just, man, just keep chewing. Just keep eating this apple. Because you need to not make this situation, this person sharing their story about you, about me, you know, the therapist, about my feelings. That being said, after we also processed why I didn't have much of a reaction. Because I'm, the other fear is that she may think, well, you don't really care. So as a therapist, keeping your emotions, like acknowledging that you have them, acknowledging to a certain extent how the, that the things that your clients are going through make you feel something, but not allowing that to be a barrier. 
And again, even though I've talked about this before, even the positivity, I remember the student who avoided me for weeks because I was so proud of him for quitting smoking. And then I was happy for him, but when he relapsed, relapsed and started smoking again, he started avoiding me. I was like, why haven't I seen you in a few weeks? Well, I started smoking again and I just, you know, I didn't want you to be disappointed. If my client takes her friend back into her, her life and they are just buddies again and they're sleeping together again and whatever else, I am not going to be upset with her. I'm not going to be mad at her, but I'm still going to want to encourage her to demand more of him. And I'm going to hope and pray that he is going to apologize and that he doesn't actually hold those thoughts and those feelings. I'm going to hope that he felt embarrassed that he got caught out, you know, sleeping with multiple people, which again, not necessarily doing anything wrong, but if you're not, if you, if there's even a tacit potential understanding that we're exclusive, you know, he didn't make that clear. And not only that, but that, you know, in doing this, that he spread a disease. Now, fortunately, chlamydia, super treatable, and they're going to all be fine and healthy before too long. I said, though, I, I do encourage that there is a, the chances of you developing herpes or something else like that. If, if we're having these attitudes, especially if he's sleeping with multiple partners and not wrapping things up. But hey, that's a conversation for another time. So I'm going to hope that he's going to say, yeah, I was angry. I got called out and I was embarrassed of my behavior. And so therefore, I wanted to make you feel how I was feeling. But I don't. I don't think you were responsible for what happened to you. But I'm afraid that she's not going to push for that, and she's never going to hear that. And she's going to carry this feeling that someone that she cares about really believes she deserved what happened to her. And that's not, that, that leaves me with a bad taste in my mouth. But again, it's still her life and it's her choice. And it's not my job as a therapist to tell her who she should have relationships with. But I will encourage her to continue to have relationships with people who are we all, again, if I want to become a faster runner, I need to run with people who are faster than me. If I want to become a better student, I want to study with people who have better grades than I have. If I want to improve my financial position, I want to start spending time around people who are in a better financial position than I am. And that's not to say we have to avoid people who are less healthy than us, less fast than us, less, you know, not as good as, no. We can help people out, but we do have to say, who am I prioritizing my time with? And I hope she will start to prioritize her time with people who are healthier and making healthier choices. So if you have thoughts and questions about how your therapist reacts to things or if it's the right thing or wrong thing, please email me at daniel.magler@live.com. And do whatever it takes to get you through this world. And remember, you are just not allowed to die. And now for something completely different. Sometimes there are no words. Sometimes we need love, care, support, and affection. We don't want to explain anything. For young people with mental health issues like anxiety, depression, OCD, autism, therapy is often not enough. Paws for Patrick is an organization dedicated to connecting the love of animals to the people who need it the most. We facilitate that connection by assigning the seekers who contact us a wish granter who listens to their story and their needs and helps them acquire an animal or training or documentation so they can have their emotional support animal or ESA in their apartment, dorm, condo, etc. We even have trained therapy dogs and handlers who bring dogs to people who can't have their own. 
Patrick rarely had the words to express his feelings and his needs, but when he had the love of his dog, Cece, he had the strength to persevere. We want to provide every young person who could benefit that kind of love and support. Please check out our website at pauseforpatrick.org. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a need, reach out. If you want to help become a volunteer, fill out the form on our website. If you can donate, great, but please at least spread the word so we can replace the suffering and silence that many people do with the smiles and security that only the love of an animal can bring.